Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Not another episode of Sheologians. We're here again today to put the her, her in Mulder. In Mulder. Yeah. Uh, yes. She yes. got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is... I I missed out I on not... X Files. I was Why did young, I not but... see that coming? That's you know, good. I That's tried good. to rewatch the X Files and it's it, it was not terrible. that great of a show. <laughs> like, it's kind of boring. Okay. It's really intense, I think, maybe. And I don't care about the characters. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I don't care <laughs> no, about yeah. it. Like, I really problem. want to. It seems like it should be so interesting. But... Yeah. But it was one of those shows where I think, how many seasons did that even go for? Well, and it just had a huge cult, cult following. following. Yeah. Cult following. Yeah. Oh, snap. But See where you went there? And it all comes back around. That's right. <laughs> We're going to put the she in light Hyper space. Her and hyper space. No, we're gonna, so we're gonna we're gonna put the her in interdimensional. Interdimensional. Yeah. Oh, you can. We could do this all day. So, all day. All day yes. long. So what I'm super excited for, and everyone's been waiting for this, is um, we're gonna talk about Bob Lazar. And so there's a lot of different. Um, I mean, we just I just watched the documentary. Uh, I believe it's called Bob Lazar in Area 51 or something like that. I just look it up on look it up on iTunes. You can see the you run the documentary. It came out recently in the last year. Make sure but, you have your subtitles on. Yeah, yes. no kidding. <laughs> Make sure you have your subtitles on. And Mickey Rourke is, yeah. is doing the narration because I, I could not. My wife came in. She was like, "What? What is he saying?" No, yeah. Eric did the same. It thing. sounded it sounded like he just woke up like after like a long <laughs> DMT long, trip. DMT like a long <laughs> drunken weekend. Yeah. Maybe some DMT a was in there. A pack of cigarettes was definitely involved. Yes, yeah, that's right. He was just space. But Jeff, so like, what? Tell me about like why? I mean, you were talking with your brother, and you yeah. want you were trying to like witness to him, but he was really into aliens and all these different things. Mm-hmm. But what talk about like what was it about Bob Lazar and his particular story angle that caught mm-hmm. your attention? So the the story of Bob Lazar is interesting because it's a well known story, um, and uh, everyone has access to like the original news footage stuff where Bob Lazar came out and he said for his own safety and protection he came out to put his face out there so they couldn't you know off him, uh, that kind of thing. And so Bob Lazar is an interesting case study in this whole area of ufology because Bob Lazar does have confirmed connections to working at Area 51. Uh, there are ways you can demonstrate that he was probably more, most likely there. Um, that and and so p- before people are like Area 51 is that even real, bro? And then yeah. like now it's like well of course Area 51 was real and it what was the nature of Area 51? Was it a place that you know was engaging in alien technology? Right. Or is it simply a military test site right. uh, near uh, other military bases in Nevada? Yeah. Which happens to have a lot of open space. Yes. Uh, You know, that sort of a thing. But he's an interesting case study because uh, I think there's elements to his work there 
where you can say, yeah, it seems pretty obvious that the government was trying to erase his connection to Area 51. I think that that's a good explanation as to why stuff was disappearing on Lazar and his connection to Area 51. But then there are other, I think, logical explanations as to why the government may have tried to disconnect themselves from Bob Lazar. If it's a top secret classified military installation and he's going around telling everybody about it and they're trying to keep it top secret, you know, maybe they want Bob Lazar to look like, a, you know, a moron, an idiot and a crazy person. Um, but, but at any rate, so Bob Lazar's um, explanation is that he worked at Area 51. He says there was 10 or nine, nine or 10 spacecraft um, at Area 51. In a place called S4. A extra right. extraterrestrial, uh, no, spacecrafts of extraterrestrial origin mm -hmm. that were at this base that he was working on on a regular basis. There was, he wasn't working on all of them. He was working on, I think, Parts. one in particular. He was working on a certain section of yeah, it. Yeah, I think yeah. it was two. Was it two? He was working on the propulsion systems of, <clears throat> I mean, I know of one ship, but I forget the exact number. Of some sort of spacecraft. And right. he okay. came out in 1989 and said this, and it was this huge phenomenon. My husband was born and raised in Las Vegas, and he like knew the whole story just by virtue of being from Las Vegas. Right. Everybody knows the guy who covered the story. I can't even remember his name now. George. Nah. George Knapp. George Knapp. Like everybody yeah. in Vegas is like, oh, George Knapp. And this was like the VHSs of him going on the Las Vegas, you know, news where you could buy him as far as Japan. People were showing him in theater. So when he came out as this whistleblower of this is what's happening at Area 51, it was this huge cultural phenomenon. And particularly in Las Vegas, because Area 51 is just north of Las Vegas, everybody knows all the kids grew up watching this on the news. And it was this huge, huge thing, um, just for the people who don't know who Le Bob Lazar is, because I, I didn't until yeah. I watched the documentary. Yeah, and even like now, because of like what Bob Lazar did with like really bringing Area 51 to the forefront, it's become this area of like pop culture. I mean, right. I remember um, the I remember the like the arcade game came the arcade game uh -huh. came out like Area 51, and yeah. and I would like play that with my friends, and then yeah. you obviously you had uh, Independence Day, which they they made the joke about Area 51, and they, mm -hmm. they end up there, and yeah. that's just you there's just see the it. aliens, and it's just yeah. taken for granted. And um, I went to there's a atomic testing bomb natural museum and when you come in las vegas and when you come out of it it's all just area 51 alien merch that you can buy you can buy it's a huge industry, it's, it's a yeah. huge oh, industry yeah. and it really did happen because of bob lazar and so when i was thinking through like i think i would be knee jerk one of those christians that would be like why are you guys bothering to talk about this like why why are you taking the time to do it but just in between recording these two episodes i had a friend uh, message me and say i'm really glad you guys are talking about this because i have so many family members and they are in las vegas but mm. regardless i have so many family members who are huge fans of joe rogan who are really into all the alien stuff and i just don't know how to talk to them about it like i don't even know what to say. So yeah. I'm glad that you guys are talking about it. Um, and I think as Christians, a lot of times we can just kind of write these things off and be like, well, look at these crazies. This is nuts. Um, but then it, when it becomes personal to us, like, oh, all of a sudden I have people in my life, like you were saying, your brother, like I need to be able to talk to them about this and I can't just be dismissive. Well, it's an interesting part of the alien conversation. Obviously in the last episode, we talked 
more about like the new age involvement and actual interaction with beings that people say are aliens. Right. But then there's another side of the alien conversation, which is um, encounters with UFOs and not any specific being at all. Just seeing ships or hearing stories about alien aircraft existing um, and things like that. And so it would, it just, uh, I mean, even Jeff, you, you talked about, not wanting to leave that out of the conversation just because it didn't involve um, like directly communicating with aliens. It's still a part of the conversation, which is that right. sometimes people look up and they see lights in the sky and sometimes <laughs> right. they see um, aircraft allegedly um, that does weird things that our aircraft can't do. Mm -hmm. um, right. And so it would, we'd be like, it would be like sort of ignoring sort of a fundamental part of the conversation to say, well, we're not going to talk about mm -hmm. the aircraft. We're only going to talk about people getting abducted or people coming into direct contact with aliens. Right. Yeah. And it's good to even talk about the sightings and the encounters with aircraft because Bob, he claimed to hear about, like he read a document encounters of experiences or encounters with entities, but he, he claimed to have only worked with the spacecraft. But what's important even to deal with like someone like Bob Lazar is because even though Bob's focus was primarily the aircraft, the aircraft, but then the, then the occultic practices of contact these entities, they go part and parcel with each other. They mm -hmm. always, they, you can't have really one without one always leads to the other typically in a lot of these cases. But, um, yeah, I was going to ask, did you ask something you want to say? Yeah. Something? So yeah. I thought it was interesting. The documentary, uh, he went under hypnosis. Yes. And, um, that's also how, that's how a lot of people remember stuff about their alien encounters is yeah. through hypnosis. I just had a friend talking to me the other day about um, hypnosis is becoming a very uh, popular thing to do in birthing. They call it hypnobirthing. Um, and so I had a Christian friend who was talking about how she was encouraged to practice hypnobirthing. And as she was doing it, she was overtaken by these horrible nightmares. Mm. And she had to stop practicing for that um, because hypnosis is a pagan practice um yeah. so it shouldn't be surprising that um people who are under the influence of hypnosis report similar pagan scary interdimensional things so i thought it was interesting that in the bob lazar documentary yeah um he you know he claimed that he couldn't remember all of these things and so he tried hypnosis and he comes out of hypnosis and all of a sudden he has all this information kind of like we were talking about um, in the last episode. So I thought you're saying they lead into each mm -hmm. other. Well, in the documentary, you see that happen. You see it yeah. lead into, into that. And here's what's crazy, too, is that that caught my attention, too, because there's a lot of... Uh, there's been a lot of times controversy with hypnosis in different areas of mental health. And specifically, if you look at uh, just the nature and science of, of memory and what it actually is. And so at some time in cultists, we're going to talk about there's just, there's a big controversy. It happened really big in the field of psychology, the act of the aspect of repressed memories mm -hmm. where people will either get sexually abused or something horrible happens to them. And, and allegedly they bury that within their consciousness. But one of the things is that this in the practice of recover memory therapy is that they'll a lot of times put people in under hypnosis and they'll give them sodium amytalt and that will put them in a suggestible state mm. and they will and the, the therapist a lot of times and I, I talk with a guy on the phone who lives here in Arizona who used to practice this mm. and so he'll try and allegedly guide them through what he thinks is this something horrible that happened in your, into your past 
But what people don't realize is that the scientific nature of memory, it's not a photo, it's not a video recorder, mm-hmm. is that the scientific nature of memory is constructive and reconstructive. And the fact that anytime you're in a suggestible state, <clears throat> someone, even with the best of intentions, can put a leading idea or a thought that could alter or construct that memory. And so when Bob Lazar is trying to remember um, what these things that happened, it just, that, that was the moment where it became questionable for me about how reliable that is because it's, it's one person's witness but put in put into a not only that but witness put into a suggestible state without anyone to verify but um talk to me i want to transition it over real quick to you jeff um talk about uh your relation to like area 51 and you, right you talk i was freaking out too about your dad and everything and, and jump back into the Bob Lazar thing and like right. why that fascinates you in this whole discussion. So it was uh, not too long ago, just about a, a little over a decade ago, my dad just mentions, just out of the blue, he just mentions <laughs> uh, that he helped to set up uh, Area 51, but he called it something different. He was, and at the time I knew very little about like the origins of, of, of Area 51, you know, the, the story behind it, except, you know, I've heard, you know, rumors about Area 51 and aliens and all the rest. Right. Uh, that it really existed. But he just mentions nonchalantly, like normally is like, yeah, you know, I, I helped set it up and and uh, did logistics for it. He said, but we called it we didn't call it Area 51 we call it Dreamland. And I was like, hmm. And so he mentions, you know, the whole thing. And then finally, like I sort of started getting into it and I found out, wait a minute he's referring to it the way that it was really called uh to what it was really called and so i asked him asked him questions about it and his his story about it was interesting i was born in las vegas in 1978 at nellis air force base my dad was in the air force and that's where we were stationed for a long time and my dad's story is essentially he was brought into the office by his captain or whatever and he goes into the office and the the captain basically asks him because my dad's in charge of doing logistics stuff he asked him like uh you know sergeant durbin what would you do um if you needed to get stuff that we wanted to this place in the desert but we needed to essentially order it in such a way that nobody could figure out what we were ordering like how would you hide it and my dad essentially was like well you would do it this way you would you would file the paperwork like this, order the stuff, and then you would change it so it looks like, you know, you're really asking for, you know, uh, just random like trucks and bricks and mortar or whatever, but you put down like in the paperwork, like um, uh, a million dollars worth of, uh, you know, toilet plungers or whatever it is. <laughs> right, right. It, it literally is, is so, my dad said it's so obvious, but you know, it's paperwork that doesn't say what you're actually ordering. And so basically my dad tells him, here's how you would do it. You would hide what you're actually ordering and that's what you would do. So I guess his, uh, the, the boss was like, okay, thank you, Sergeant Durbin, like whatever. And my dad says a couple weeks later, he's called back into the office. It's the same captain. But now it's two other guys there who just dressed normal suits. Hmm. And the guy's like, uh, Sergeant Durbin, why don't you go ahead and tell them what you told me? How would you get the, the goods and everything you needed? How would you order it and then not disclose what you're actually ordering for the file? And so my dad goes through with these guys that are there. He says, here's what you would do. And so basically they're like, well, thanks a lot. So my dad goes back in again after he's called back in, maybe like a week or two later. And basically my dad's captain was like, all right, Sergeant Durbin, that's what you're going to do. And my dad's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, we're going to tell you what to order. We need you to be responsible for the logistics, making sure that it gets out to the desert and that it works towards Dreamland or whatever the name of the the, the, um, base was at the time. So basically my dad said what he did the whole time we were in Las Vegas is he just did that. He was told what to order. He would order it. 
he would not disclose in the other documentation what it actually was. It would go into a file, and that's how they built up Area 51. He said they would have men who would basically get the trucks or get the whatever was for the base. They would drive all the way out, not far away from Area 51. They would get out there, and there would be like two cars, and they would leave the trucks in the middle of the desert. They would get into the car, and they would drive back to Nellis Air Damn. Force Base. So he said that was a regular basis is that he helped to build Area 51 was called something different at the time, uh, but he was just nonchalant about it. He's like, yeah, I was in charge of the logistics of getting stuff out to the base to build the base up. Um, but again, he was like, it was called Dreamland. It wasn't Area 51. And it, that's true. So I looked it up and I found out, oh my goodness, that is what it was called, Dreamland. And now it's Area 51. So my dad was a big part of actually building up Area 51. So basically the playbook that he was running was, was almost the equivalent of what Walter White and Jesse did in the final season of Breaking Bad when they transfer all the uh, methylamine in that train. Yes. That's the epic scene. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's the first thing I thought of about like dude, transferring. Yeah. Like, if you uh, look at the order goods. forms for uh, Area 51, it's like, what are they using all these light bulbs for? <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, exactly. Seriously. Lots of uh, popsicle sticks. Popsicle light sticks. Bulbs. Light bulbs. Yeah. It's going to awesome. be like the ultimate like Coachella, like in, in, the middle of, in the middle of the Nevada desert. So it's interesting because people initially were denying that Area 51 even exists. Right. And then it right. got to the point where it's like, okay, it does exist. Yeah. Uh, and now that just the government confesses to it. But yeah. The argument is, but it wasn't an alien right. spacecraft base. It right. was just a military base trying new technology and all the rest. My dad never mentioned anything to me in terms of it was aliens technology and everything else. It was just a military base uh, connected to him and the Air Force where they were actually building up a base to basically run tests on new technology. Um, but of course, now it's become a case of it was an alien technology. Right. And um, that's why it was base. a secret. And that's why it was so secret. Um, right. But uh, when you look at the case of um, of the man that we're talking about now, uh, Bob Lazar, Bob Lazar's claims um, are interesting because a lot of them are provable and you can acknowledge, yes, he really was at Area 51. He really took part. He was really a part of this whole process of whatever's going on there. And yes, it's true that somehow as he departs from it and he starts announcing Area 51 and all that's happening there, that it does appear that the government was involved in trying to erase his connection to Area 51. But remember, I think at the time, Area 51 was a hidden thing. It was very top secret. They yeah. didn't want people to know about it. Right. So it makes sense to me. It was in a terms... part of working there. Yeah. They, they weren't just like, oh, and you know, if you tell a few people, it's not a big deal. Right. They were like, do not say anything. That's yeah. a right. part of working here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, you have to be quiet. Yeah. Like, if you can't right. do this job... Right. You don't have to. And, and Joe Rogan, and, and Joe Rogan, uh, and maybe we'll play a clip on that. And when this show goes up, Joe Rogan actually points out that you know one of the things that Bob Lazar mentioned was like you know he mentioned before that there's these bone scanners that actually scan not just your fingerprint but like the distance between your bones and your fingers and yeah. everything else is all unique for every person. And he's like, and people are compelled by that. They're like, man, we just discovered that he was telling the truth. There is such a bone scanner, and they were using this then. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, okay, but what's that got to do with aliens and right. UFOs and all the rest? Right. Because the government had advanced technology on a top secret military installation where they was examining the bones in your hand. I'm thinking to myself, uh, okay. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like the government. Right. Sounds like something they would do. <laughs> right. It doesn't mean that he was telling the truth about right. actually working on alien spacecraft and right. 
contact with aliens and all the rest. Right. It was military technology and a top secret military installation. And and yeah, great. It examines the length of bones and distance of your bones and your fingers. Does that mean that now mm-hmm. all of a sudden everything Bob Lazar aliens says exist. it's right. alien technology and aliens right. are existing? Well, and a lot of people tried to or people have attempted to discredit Lazar. Um, his story was that um, they tried to like erase his civilian footprint after he started sharing information about Area 51 and alien technology and all that. Um, but some people go as far as to say like he never went to MIT as he claimed. He never went to Caltech. Right. Lazar says that those records were just erased. But um, there's pretty extensive evidence that like people just don't remember him ever being there. Mm-hmm. And there, there, there is a record of him attending uh, Pierce Community College for some, I think, computer classes, and also him um, graduating high school um, in like the lower third of his class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so there are records um, that that substantiate the idea for a lot of people, um, and perhaps it sort of ends up really being a he said he said kind of thing whatever you know um but there are people that are like he's not a physicist he um he was employed he gained employment at uh los alamos under false pretenses and was actually um a contractor there that worked for a company called kirkmeyer Hmm. um which is evidenced by some listing in a phone book he didn't have like the the los alamos like indicator by his name he had the kirkmeyer indicator by his name um and so and there's there's way more there's uh, there's even some uh in terms of credibility of some of his claims um specifically i guess if it's okay we can talk about element 115 okay which was another one of big toss that out because I'll, I'll, i'll i'll throw i'll throw the context out and then you respond okay so one of the things that bob lazar um would would mention the way that he would do this in terms of he comes out he announces area 51 stuff in an original news broadcast he tries to keep himself private but announce what's going on in area 51 eventually he just comes out and it's right. bob lazar he's saying that people are following him and even right. attempting to kill to him, kill him. Yeah. so he wanted to put his name out so that if something happened to him for yeah. his own safety right well and- I'll, I'll just i'll just say this too is that the one thing that's compelling about bob lazar it, which is unique in my perspective is that there's a gap between like when this all happened to like when he came out. I mean, a lot of times you look at it just even now, like in the Trump administration, I mean, Trump's I mean, his, he's going to go for re-election next year, but it seems a lot of times when you have these like whistleblowers or people come out, they, they do a book deal and they do like a world tour and they just, they wanted to give as much publicity as possible because there's an ass, there's a marketplace for that. But that didn't really, at least from my perspective, kind of did seem to be like why that didn't seem to be in, in Bob Lazar's motives at all. Like I think he legitimately, was trying because he didn't he come out when he did his initial interview wasn't wasn't his he was, uh, he was hidden yeah he was yeah. hidden but he had a different name uh, it was like some yeah, sort Dennis. of uh, yeah, Rogan, he had a Dennis name. yeah Dennis yeah so I mean that that uh, that just stuck out to me but go ahead with what you were saying Joy so so yeah. he he comes out and eventually it now his face is on it his name is out there and everything else and he did announce early on particular things to point to the fact that I really was there at Area 51. Like the bone scanners. Yeah, exactly. And so one of the things that is interesting, and we just need to acknowledge it in terms of like, yeah, it seems like there is somebody behind this trying to erase stuff. Like if he was if he was in New Mexico and he was at Los Alamos or whatever, 
Um, there's a record of it, and he has evidence that he was actually there. You have like newspaper articles and all the rest. And so is it possible that there's government agency or people involved in trying to erase his connection Area 51? Yes, but does that mean that that aliens that now are mean part that aliens of the military exists. base. And, well, if you're in a top class, of, if you're in a top secret classified military installation that the government does not want people to know about as of yet, and you're coming out and announcing it, yeah, the government may try to actually deny it and erase the whole situation. We can right. grant that without saying, and therefore aliens. Right. Um, <laughs> right. And so one of the things that uh, Bob Lazar has announced is he's announced the bone scanner thing. That yeah. just gets people really excited. Like he announces this bone scanner that didn't m just measure your fingerprints, but also the distance in your bones from one another and the length that's always unique for every person. And then we know now that, oh, that actually is technology that exists. But we didn't know then, so Bob Lazar knew about it then, so therefore aliens. It's like, well, <laughs> no. no, military installation. Therefore, he was probably there. Top secret, yeah, <laughs> he was probably there. And, uh, of course, Bob Lazar also mentioned Element 115. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned that long before anybody else was really talking about Element 115 on a, on a massive scale. So there, people say, oh, he knew about the bone scanners, and he knew about Element 115, apparently before everyone else was talking about it. Therefore, Bob Lazar must be telling the truth about interdimensional beings and spacecraft that he worked on, things from outer outer space at Area 51. And so, Joy, how do we respond to something like that in terms of he was the first person to mention Area 115, and now we know that, Air, that sorry, not Area 115, uh, Element 115. <laughs> and now we know that Element 115 is a thing. And he knew about it before anybody. Well, it's a little bit of a leap, just like Element 115 and aliens is a little bit of a leap. <laughs> um, he claimed that there was Element 115 was used. Um, it couldn't be synthesized. It could only be found in space. Um, and so we couldn't make it in a lab. And it was extremely heavy, but it was very energy efficient. So basically, uh, he... What he was saying is that these ships that he was reverse engineering, um, they would run off of element one, uh, one fifteen, and uh, they would produce this element would produce high amounts of energy for long, long periods of time without you having to use very much of it. Mm -hmm. um, and he he sort of described this system where you would like put the element like into these cylinders and stuff like that. Um, so. First of all, he was not the first person to theorize that there were more than the supposed amount of of, of elements on the periodic table. Right. Um, that was happening in the 1960s. There were people, there were uh, chemists and scientists that were saying um, there are probably really, really heavy elements out there. But what they discovered um, and what we actually know today is that more than likely um, really heavy elements with like high proton numbers um, aren't stable at all. Um, and so you're talking about an element, uh, something that Bob Lazar doesn't explain is that um, some of the, like some super, super heavy high proton um, elements are only stable for milliseconds to seconds um and he didn't give an explanation uh, of anything other than i just saw this element mm. um and so but then he so i would i would say that there is something there's something missing from his explanation of what it was which is that he saw it and he was like oh that's an he he presupposed that that was some sort of alien 
um, element and some sort of alien fuel. And another thing that he talked about was um, a part of why it was so useful is because it created um, it it created like the atoms um, would they like extended past the shell of the atom and created a like some sort of gravitational thing distortion right so that you, so that the ship was basically flying in this sort of anti-gravity type of way but um what we know what we actually know about physics i mean i'm not a physicist but what i've read about or what i've read about this is that um uh atoms are in, like their elect their electron charge is incredibly strong inside mm -hmm. <laughs> um and mm. and the strength uh, an efficiency of the energy drops significantly the minute you exit the shell, like the outside of that atom. Mm -hmm. um, and that is just something that that we know. So <laughs> he's talking about um, he's talking about something that we haven't. So first of all, he's talking about something in an incomplete way. He's a physicist. He is talking about element 115, um, but he's failing to mention, um, it's almost like he's just telling you about something he saw and he was like, oh, and it was a part of an alien ship. And so it has this amazing qualities and all this stuff. Um, but it's actually not anything we've observed. That's not not that's not something that what how he character would have characterized it is not something that we've observed. And then he didn't explain. He, there's just a lot of stuff that he didn't explain about element 115. Um, and according to physics, so you could say, oh, well, it's an alien element. Like we may not know, but what you're doing in that is you are, in order to presuppose the existence of alien elements, you are giving up the laws of physics. <laughs> and so I just have to say, you're giving up the laws of physics. Like, just so you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm going to challenge you on giving up the laws of physics as you walk around and you're held down by gravity on the earth, mm -hmm. I'm going to say uh, you are, you're giving that up so that you can presuppose this is an alien element that runs alien ships. Mm -hmm. So there is, there's a leap that's happening here. Um, also there were times when um, our, obviously our, our, there was a time when people like didn't know that carbon existed. <laughs> um, and so there's, I don't think that there is a, there, there have been scientists for a long time that have considered that there are elements that we didn't know about. Uh, Bob Lazar was not the first one. Um, and certainly Bob Lazar knowing about an element before the rest of us knew about it when he worked at a secret military installation does not mean they're aliens. Right. And I want to say this too. This is so important in terms yeah. of people saying like, no, but Bob Lazar legitimately worked at Area 51. Um, you know, uh, my, my, my dad, you know, I, I grant Area 51 exists. He called it dreamland. Like they, they it all, it, that doesn't mean that it's alien technology, alien spacecraft and all the rest. So I think that the point is, is when people demonstrate that Bob Lazar legitimately worked at Area 51 or dreamland early on. They then make the leap to, and therefore everything he's saying about it must be true. Right. I'm sure he worked there. Yeah, I'm sure he worked. He there. also said he did also claim to have a catch a quick glimpse, uh, glimpse of a a gray alien. Right. Right. Well, but then he later said that's probably not what it was. Right. But the thing is, is if you watch the documentary, I really believe that Bob Lazar believes what he's saying. Yeah. Like he, it re I really believe he believes that. But the fact of the matter is, is he's working at a top secret government facility it's not hard to believe that whatever they were working on there there were 
Joy and I were talking about this. They're, they probably all didn't communicate with each other. Whatever he was working on there, if he was working on something, it makes sense that if they're building something that they want to keep a secret, that all the different departments and groups that are working on these different pieces aren't communicating with each other. Mm. Like he had a very specific task and he didn't know what task other people had that weren't working on that same task. It wasn't some separation is a way to keep things vague, to Mm -hmm. keep people from doing what he did. Mm -hmm. It seems to me like he worked on one thing and it was new and it was different and it was a secret. And so he put all these other pieces together, things that he wasn't informed about. And it really does seem, you know, he took all the, he took the lie detector tests and he's doing the hypnosis and he seems very earnest. I really believe that he believes mm-hmm. he was working on an alien spacecraft, but usually the simplest explanation is the truth, right? right. And it's like, yes, you were working on technology that the rest of the country didn't know about. That doesn't mean it was an alien spaceship, right. you know? Yeah. Right. And and like, for example, when someone throws out, like Joe Rogan does this, they, the thing at the bone scanner, they act so compelled by the bone scanner. Like the fact that he mentioned it before anybody else knew about it. And now look, they got a bone scanner. It's It was real right. bone scanner. It's like, that's not impressive to anybody. Like no. we're talking about the government top secret facility. Sure, no. they got a bone scanner thing. Does right. that mean it's alien technology? No. No, it doesn't mean that at all. And so right. I agree. It's like people take leaps from, um, okay, he really was at a place called Area 51. He knew about the, uh, the early tech, uh, the, the technology that was there early before everybody else gets it. And it's like, does that mean that he's working on legitimate uh, spacecraft from interdimensional beings and yeah. aliens from other uh, galaxies? And no, it doesn't mean that at all. And so I think that the, you can challenge, plus from a biblical perspective, you have to say, like, how do you bring charges against somebody? This is Old and New Testament standard in terms of somebody's testimony. Mm-hmm. It has to be on the basis of two to three independent lines of witness and evidence. Well, what do you have with Bob Lazar? You've got one guy. Right. And he's making claims himself. Right. His own claims. Now, of course, you can say, well, we can confirm with witness and testimony that, yeah, he probably worked at a place like Area 51, but the claims that he makes about what I did there and what I was working on there, they can't be confirmed by anybody but... Bob Lazar. Well, and the claims that he made about elephant, elephant, <laughs> <laughs> elephant one fifteen. elephants out at um, Area Fifty One about Element One Fifteen have been refuted. Right. Right. By physicists. Right. And I absolutely believe he worked on alien technology. Alien meaning foreign. Alien right. meaning new to us. Mm-hmm. Alien meaning, yeah, they're doing stuff out there where, if you try to come up in there without clearance, you're gonna get shot. Mm-hmm. Like that is what this is secret. And mm-hmm. it, it it's the government. I'm not saying I approve of it. They're doing something up there and they still are. Yeah, to I don't day. approve of the government spending <laughs> tax dollars and being like, what you're going to do is say that it's light bulbs, but actually we're going to bring <laughs> right. other stuff. Right. right. I'm not okay with that. <laughs> but yeah. it is a very simple explanation that is way more likely than you were working on an alien spacecraft. Right. Yeah. So there's a couple of different things too. So like element 115 and Joel, you've looked at this a lot more than I have, but it's not, it's not something like right now we could say we, we can, we can have like a live science experiment. We're going to, have it be observant. We're going to show what it is and what it isn't, and we can use a scientific method. To have well, it be it's observable. highly unstable, so I will yeah. never be allowed to have <laughs> yeah. it ever. Right. Uh, I well, would venture to good... say, like regular people aren't just allowed to have it. Right. Well, yeah. Maybe we should be glad the co- government is keeping it somewhere away from us. Yeah. And so, with that being said, though, it's like hard to 
like buy the fact of like what it is or isn't from Bob Lazar's testimony because I I can't see and maybe it is there is a part where it's like dangerous and maybe it's part of some sort of uh, weaponization of something that'd be very dangerous and that's why it's top secret but it's not out in the public to where it can be observable and be repeatable of what it actually is and isn't and there's a lot of times where and and Stephen talked about this in the episode of the New Age where there's a lot of times where the uh, the New Age community. Or the uh, and people into new age and occult occultism, their aspect of science is they they find those gray areas of mystery, and that's where they fill in the blanks mm-hmm. with what their ideas mm-hmm. are. So yeah, yeah, there's that aspect. But then also with a lot of times people will have obviously we use the word worldview. Everyone has like a worldview, and they'll they interpret their environment off of like what their what they're seeing and what they're observing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I guess the, another good question to ask is like, what was Bob's, when he got the job at Area 51, like what was his worldview going into that? Right. So, and I don't, and again, I'm just giving conjecture. I don't know about this, but if he really had predominant beliefs, for example, about extraterrestrials and aliens, and you mentioned him like going to, to hypnosis and seeing something, that if you go into a, like a top secret base, and this is sort of what it has, I mean, it didn't really have the reputation prior to him, to him like coming out about it. But if you, if that's what he believed, everything that he would see and all the mystery and stuff, he would obviously interpret his environment based off of the fact of what was going on in regards right. to like the aliens, UFO technology, stuff like that. Right. So at least, at least that would be my perspective in that regard. Right. Well, I think it's important to point just, in, uh, I see you about to say something. <laughs> I just want to say that this whole issue, I, I, would just, I would just challenge people to look at it this way. When you see people listening to Bob Lazar and going, hmm, okay, I'll bite, I'll bite. I, I agree, I'll bite into that. My question is like, okay, follow it. Follow the trail. Where does it lead? I adopt his testimony and his claims about the spacecraft and the universe and all the things that are going on. Where does it, where's it lead everybody? Does it lead them to, to Jesus? Does mm-hmm. it lead them to God's word and God's revelation? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then what if someone hears me say that right now and they go, so what? What if, what if the Bible isn't true? What if Jesus isn't who you think he is? Then I would go, and now we see the fruit of this whole testimony and everything else. Because we really need to come down to the question of like, what, what is ultimate truth? How do I know ultimate truth? Because if somebody's testimony about aliens and alien spacecraft is leading to all of these people basically saying, I'll bite and therefore my ufology is true, my perspective of the universe is true, my anthropology is true, my view of epistemology is true and ethics and aliens and all the rest. Like you just connect the dots and you can begin to see this is an entire world and life view. It's not just a random claim by a guy named Bob Lazar who worked for the government. It's something that leads people off into a completely different perspective of the world and the universe. And you even have examples with our friend Stephen Bancars, the whole Mm -hmm. study of the discussion of aliens and UFOs and everything else led him to what? The new age. Yeah, the new age. In fact, and that's one of the things too I was talking about when I was just looking up some of the random... there's a whole plethora of YouTube videos on this, obviously. But um, I looked up just one video. It was like five minutes long about Element 115. And like, I think I have, I'm subscribed to YouTube Red. So it just automatically po- uh, pops up like another video in the mm-hmm. background. And the very first thing that rolled right after I just looked up this thing, trying to understand what Element 115 was, was an episode of Ancient Aliens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and so that's just an aspect where, and that's how he got into the aspect, like I said, of the New Age. One thing is particular in regards to testimony. This is accounted multiple times. And because you talk about on one hand, 
people get into uh, ufology and aliens, and it always leads to this abandonment of against Christ, uh, not to him, but against him, mm-hmm. uh, or questioning the Bible. Mm-hmm. The one commonality that I've seen research for this, and I, we talked, I talked about this with Stephen on, his, uh, on the episode we did on the New Age. The one commonality, though, is that of all the alien abduction encounters that have happened, the ones that are legitimate, the one commonality that stops it is when they call out to the name of Jesus yes. to mm-hmm. stop. And it goes away. And knowing who Jesus is and the fact that he upholds the universe by the word of his power, you look in the book of Colossians where it says that he made a public spectacle over principalities and powers, that leads us into understanding, okay, well, if that is happening by multiple independent lines of testimony, people who are experiencing these alien abductions, um, there was a movie that came out several years ago about that, you know, about the, the town in Alaska. The fourth, the fourth kind. kind. Yeah, the fourth yeah. kind. And that's based, yes, you, you know that, that's awesome. <laughs> but that was the same aspect where there, there's all these abductions that are happening. But ultimately, like, we can now understand at least, okay, we see some precedents from a biblical worldview what the possibility of, of, of these things are. So what would you say, some examples, how could we describe biblically like what these, what they are? Cause people talk about um, in the old Testament, there's like the sons of God and some people throw out theories of like the Nephilim mm-hmm. and there's a whole bunch of things. So I'm going to just kind of throw it out to you guys. Maybe just talk real quickly theologically about how do we establish like biblically, like at least at least a healthy uh, general understanding of what those are? Well, one I would say um, would be healthy would be to look and just not assume the supernatural and, and crazy influence. Like we shouldn't be constantly looking to blame things on demons. Right. So a lot of the times we have to just say that maybe just come from that person's worldview and perspective, or the person could be deluded, or they could just be lying and saying things that are patently false that they know are false, cult leaders that are just leading people astray. So like you gotta sort of filter through like, what is this, what's the claim being made, what happened? And then look at the fact that, yeah, it's consistent with the biblical worldview that there is alien intervention. And when I say alien, I mean foreign. (laughs) And when I mean foreign, I mean extra dimensional, like interdimensional, like the person- Supernatural. Supernatural, something that is outside of the material realm exclusively, something that is outside. I mean, human beings, there are elements to human nature that are physical, material, and there's elements to human nature that are spiritual. But but there's, there's a close connection biblically between those things but also in the New Testament and Old Testament, both Testaments, it's not some strange foreign concept to the Old Testament, both Testaments, you have the influence and intrusion of the spiritual into the physical. So you have alien intervention throughout the entire Old Testament. I mean, even, even like you have the pre-incarnate Christ mm-hmm. appearing in the Old Testament. You've got it with Moses. You've got it with Joshua. You've got it, uh, you've got, you've got it in instances over and over and over again, even a seance situation where something shows up that wasn't what was planned kind of a thing. Um, You've got in the New Testament itself, you've got the spiritual breaching the physical. You've got Moses and Elijah appearing at the transfiguration and uh, at the mountaintop with the Lord Jesus to the degree that it freaks out Peter. And he's, you know, but that's a real breach of the physical with the spiritual. The supernatural is now uh, amongst the natural. You've got instances where Jesus has interaction with uh, supernatural beings in his mm-hmm. ministry. You've got after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, the book of Acts, we mentioned that in the last episode. You've got 
the the supernatural communicating in the realm of the natural so the the biblical worldview isn't a biblical worldview that is only the material and then sort of like when this is dead you go somewhere else out there like it there's a there's a connection between the spiritual and the natural in the biblical worldview now of course sin has um obscured a lot of that and made that very difficult um, but the point is, is both Old and New Testament, you've got the spiritual and physical interacting constantly. The angelic beings are Old and New Testament communicating in, uh, into the physical and natural. So my point is, is that it makes sense from a Christian perspective. It's not weird and foreign and like, what do you mean you're speaking to an entity from another dimension? It's like, it's not strange. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not normative. Let's get that clear. Mm-hmm. It's not normative that that occurs, but it's not strange and out of, and, and out of the possibility of, of things that can happen in this world. It happens throughout our Bible. So when someone comes to me and says, hey, I had a real experience when I spoke to something from the other side, I go, well, let's investigate if that was really true. And maybe it is true. Maybe you did. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that if you did, stop it. Yeah, yeah. stop. Like, <laughs> stop it. Can I say that? Like, <laughs> yes. yes. And if you did, find a way to stop immediately. <laughs> like, uh, that's not healthy and you're not supposed to be doing that. And the Bible never, ever, ever encourages that. And, and I'll give you just the last thing I'll say here is when Jesus gives this one story of a rich man and Lazarus, he talks about, uh, you know, the rich man going into a place of torment yeah. and Lazarus being in Abraham's bosom at the time. Right, and so he's in paradise and bliss and everything else, and you've got the rich man in torment. He's freaking out. It's like go back and tell my relatives. Someone send back my tell my relatives like this place really exists. Like they don't want to come here. And what does the angel communicate to him while he's in torment? Like there's a gulf fix between you and them, so no one's going back. Like to mm-hmm. to to cross over and talk back from you to them. Um, and the point I'm making there is that there aren't any old dead relatives coming back to talk to you. Right. Right. Like, let that hang for a second. Your dead relatives are not coming back to have conversations with you and hang out. So if something is communicating with you from a biblical perspective, some entity from the other side is communicating. It's not something that you want to hear. Right. Right. It's not something that you want to sort of be hooked up in. It's not something you want to hear from. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so the danger there is when people start opening themselves up to accepting communication with the other side. Oh, and by the way, God says, don't you dare try mm-hmm. to seek that kind of communication, necromancy, communication with the dead, sorcery, trying to cross over that realm to communicate because they're not coming back to talk to you. Um, and, and somebody could say, well, what about instances where like you have Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus? Those weren't demons. <laughs> right. And I would say, right. So there's an amazing moment in redemptive history where God gives this shocking revelation of who Jesus is. And there's the two representatives of the old covenant, the law and the prophets, Moses and Elijah, under the authority of God that are confirming to disciples, this is the one, pay it, listen to him. So there's no communication with like these dead people where it's this private revelation. It's like you and I are buddies and let's hang out. It's always like Jesus, 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 him this is what it's all about it's about him but even that's a unique situation it's a privileged situation it's not something where dead relatives from hades are coming back to say hey don't follow me where i went (laughs) kind of a thing yeah well narrative is not the normative that's what people need to realize that's that's important but what do you see the demonic Mm -hmm. communicating because mm-hmm. yeah. the demonic are around yeah and the demonic we're not at the end of time where death and hades are cast into the lake of fire 
We're not at the time of the resurrection yet. That comes after Christ, puts all enemies under his feet. So there is the presence of the enemy around us. And you do see instances in Old and New Testament where the enemy does try to influence and infiltrate people's lives. And that's why it's dangerous. And all I want to say is this, the whole ufology thing, what I've seen consistently through all these years of study is just this. And I think you guys will probably agree with this is it seems that everyone's obsession with this thing, with, with ufology and aliens and all the rest, always leads to a perspective that is antithetical to the biblical perspective of mankind, mm -hmm. salvation, who Jesus is, what ultimate authority is. It always moves us away from Jesus. Right. Like, I, don't ever, I never heard someone's testimony of like, you know, I bought into Bob Lazar and I got into aliens and then it made me fall in love with Jesus and the word of God and the Bible. <laughs> right. And you know, it's like, no, yeah. it doesn't go that direction. It doesn't, it's not a thing. It goes the no. other way. Well, and something to remember too, um, is that we, um, as Christians, as, as people who believe in the God of the Bible, I should say, um, we can trust, um, the order of the material. So we can trust observable science. We can trust the laws of the universe and the laws of physics and things like that. We have a reason to trust those things and right. we have a reason to rely on them. And so um, if if you are suddenly want to believe that uh, we can go faster than the speed of light and we can fold time and space, um, then what you're saying is I don't believe in um, and I'm not, I'm certainly not saying that in a scientific way, we know everything there is to know about the universe at this right. moment. But what you're saying is, um, you're saying that you, you are forsaking the concrete ordered laws of the universe in order to believe something that could be, which I will mention involves a more evolutionary standpoint right. which would be that we we don't have induction we mm -hmm. can't know that things aren't going to change suddenly right that something can come from nothing mm -hmm. um the big bang happened and that we evolved from you know like we're here by accident right. right right and so basically what you're doing when you throw away things like um special relativity and when you um uncertainly uh when you suggest that even even within the laws of science, if somehow an alien spacecraft was able to get from another galaxy to ours without hitting any particles going at the speed of light with the energy source required to go at the speed of light, um, then you're saying that the, I mean, even from the next galaxy, what you're, what you're uh, giving credence to is that the, the universe is at least 2.3 million years old because that's how long it would take at light speed to get from the next galaxy over to us. So it's things like this that we have to consider. We believe in an ordered world mm -hmm. and we have that. We get to have we that. We get to have science <laughs> right. and order as right. Christians. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's important that we not just give up what's known about the universe and what is ordered about the universe that God created that way in that orderly way. Mm. We can't just give it up for something that we might think could be blind faith. Right. Well, and, and I mean, certainly the re the size of the universe is what makes people think that's one of the reasons why people think there's something else mm -hmm. right. out there. But the size of the universe is a huge problem for science <laughs> when it comes to alien, highly, highly evolved life forms getting from wherever they are mm -hmm. to us that's mm -hmm. right and certainly the materialists can't um they can't eat they they have they can say that they believe in other dimensions but they have 
they have nothing to really substantiate that yeah. at all. Yeah. So that belongs to us. Other dimensions actually belongs that's to us. That's a Christian us. thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, and I think that's a good place, at least maybe to end that. Yeah. That the Christian worldview and standing on God's revelation gives you, if, if you heard what Joy was saying, and you're like, well, what is, exactly does that mean? The Christian worldview, believing in God's revelation, gives you a foundation to believe in science as a possibility that induction is that the future will be like the past. In other words, scientific experimentation is possible because of the Christian worldview. That's why the Christian worldview had this big pop in science and history. It's not because atheism gave us that. It was the Christian worldview that formed all of that. And so the point is, is that like what Joy is saying there is if we don't have God's revelation, we have no basis to, to have these observations and observational science and testability and all these different things. So if we accept their their um, foundational claims that we live in this accidental universe with all these billions of galaxies that are all accidents, cosmic accidents, we're all cosmic accidents, and these things are just sort of evolving over time, um, random small mutations changing over time, creating intelligences and everything else. It's like, yeah, and that gives you no basis now to believe that the technology you're appealing to is going to be consistent next five seconds from now or next 10 seconds from now because the universe is not what you think it is. It's a random, uh, it's a random jumble of chaos just happening. That's what they're... That's what their profession is. And then this whole idea of intelligences and logic and consistency, you sound like you're proposing a universe that sounds like the biblical worldview, not like the one that you're actually proposing, which is chaos and a lack of ultimate order and ultimacy and all the rest. So like, see, there's more to this discussion than, um, do you see that orb in the sky? It's like, what's it lead you to though? Because if right. that worldview right. that you propose leads me to a universe that is just time and chance acting on matter and all these different things you're starting to lose now even the ability to appeal to mathematics and laws of logic and induction and science and also moral questions that are coming up in this alien thing um and so there's so much more to this than just that uh than just uh, did bob lazar work on some highly advanced piece of technology it's where it goes from there right and the things that are assumed underneath it when you start asking these questions well, and it actually takes an incredible amount of hubris to look at something in the sky that you don't recognize and decide, oh, this is an alien spacecraft. It traveled from another universe. I don't know how, but I absolutely know that that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Like you just threw out all the things that Joy mentioned. You just mm -hmm. threw out all kinds of laws. You threw out physics. You threw out all mm -hmm. these things because you saw something in the sky and decided what it was. Mm -hmm. Like it takes so much hubris to think that you can do that and decide that right. like but we don't we don't recognize it that way it's like well it's the unknown well i'm going to decide what the unknown is even if it totally destroys everything else i believe right yeah well, just, like, go ahead. i was just gonna say you can say we don't know everything there is to know about physics but they're like things like the theory of relativity and special relativity are things that um since before Einstein observed them and after, we have experienced every day of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> so you can say, you can be like, well, I don't know about physics and I don't know like how all that works. And I don't know what we know in the universe and what we don't know in the universe. And I'm sure there's stuff we haven't discovered yet. But the point is, is that he has been right before mm -hmm. he discovered it. That's how it was. And since then, every day of your life, you've experienced gravity. Mm -hmm. So if you're willing to throw that out, what I'm going to suggest is that we're operating off of a faith claim mm -hmm. here. Right. You have faith that 
that aliens exist. You have you have faith that there are there is a breakage in the laws of physics and the laws of gravity and special relativity. Yeah. I, I'm just suggest. I'm not saying like you're you're wrong. I'm just saying you need to consider what you're throwing away to believe that that faith claim mm -hmm. yeah and ultimately we can have faith that like talk about induction the scientific method we can have faith a, a good biblically say biblically based faith that of induction knowing that the future will be like the past but that comes ultimately from uh the nature of the triune christian god like we right. ultimately know the future will be like the past because of what the bible what god's self-revelation of, of himself is we That's know right. that because the bible says that jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever and that's right. that, and that's the commonality. And so instead of like, I think, but I would just say it's important. And this is this will be the first time of many times. I mean, we're we're just getting started here at Cultish. We're not going away anytime soon. And I'm sure there's many different elements of this ufology that we'll explore in the future. Whether it's Heaven's Gate, um, Tom DeLong, for example, from Blink 182, he has this uh, organization called To the Stars Academy, where allegedly he's working with the government to uh, reveal through a time process of different alien spacecraft. He was on Joe Rogan. If you want to listen to, if you want to listen to that That's podcast, a really I really show. want to listen yes, to that. Listen to that, and maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do like a follow up. Okay. Tom DeLong like has come. A long way, but yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially being like a '90s kid, like Blink One Eight Two. Yeah, it's like, okay, okay that's yeah. Weird. Like the last time I saw you, you were not you doing, were not this. doing yeah. that at all. <laughs> that is, just listen to that. Okay, we'll have to, we'll have to come it. back sometime and talk about it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think ultimately, like you know, people always want to get and I'll wrap things up. People always want to. This is an element of like secret, hidden knowledge. Like what's going on? What's it? What's the government hiding? What's really going beyond? You know. Mm -hmm. And I just the viable truth and just alternative to that is really what Jesus said. He said, everything I've talked about, I've always done. Op I've talked about openly. I haven't done anything in secret. Mm -hmm. And that's and I think, I think that's ultimately like the faith that we can have as Christians, that we have faith in the truth in the truth and the hope of the gospel of what of what our hope is like in the person of Jesus. So, you know, people have said, you know, people always want to reach out beyond Mm -hmm. But the Bible says that we need to draw near to God, mm -hmm. and He will draw near to us, mm -hmm. and, that, and that's just a big difference. That well, and the universe is still can still be amazing. I mean, yes, there's <laughs> no aliens out there. Yes. Like black yeah. hole, we just had a picture, our first picture of a black hole, and mm -hmm. God holds all that together, and yeah. the black hole must be there mm -hmm. for our universe to, to balance to, things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the it's a pretty awesome universe, anyways. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think on that note, this has been a blast. This has been a f really fun time. I I hope that everyone in your audience has enjoyed putting up with uh, our shenanigans. We'll see. Here. I don't know. I'm sure they'll let us know. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm sure that'll be the case. But this has been a blast. Yeah. Um, thanks for doing this with yeah, us. Yeah. We'll definitely have to have a follow up cross. Oh, we'll okay. put the. You know, this episode, I'll say, I'll wrap it up saying we really put the her and crossover, crossover yes. episode. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. So uh, thank you guys for listening to yes. this uh, two part series on Bob Lazar and the UFO phenomena. Uh, we will be, what we'll probably be doing as, a, as we release uh, these episodes, we'll, uh, we're going to be posting some things on social media so you guys can kind of interact with a lot of these thoughts and ideas and share your thoughts interact with us let us know what you like or don't like about these episodes uh we love both sides of the story um so like i said it just uh we love what we do here and we appreciate you guys even if we don't agree with us but you know we work really hard to put this content out for content out and uh 
we're proud of it, and uh, we want to apologize to absolutely no one. Absolutely. So. We'll see you guys right. next week. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Talk <laughs> Bye, to guys. Arizona Cultish. Two little men in a flying saucer flew down to earth one day. Looked to left and right of it, couldn't stand the sight of it, and said, let's fly away. They took a look at a Western movie, somebody heard them say. If a horse can be a star, think how dumb the people are, we'd better fly away.